the touch, buddy. Um, the beginning of this year, I believe the Lord had laid upon my heart to talk about the imperatives of this year to come. Chris, could you guys turn me down just a touch? Thank you. And somehow in the middle, uh, of course, it's his prerogative. I felt the Lord starting to deal with me about the subject matter of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, uh, in the first week we talked about him indwelling us and the earnest of the Spirit. And then we talked about him empowering us and then helping us. And little did I know that revival fires were soon about to start popping up around uh, especially our land. And I want to skip a week, if you'll allow me. We were supposed to talk about the beauty of spiritual language this week. But I want to talk to you about this subject of God visiting His people. The Holy Spirit visits us. It's important to know the difference between the genuine and the false. And it's important to know the difference between uh, spectating and participating. And so if the Lord will allow, I want to speak to you today on the subject of the Holy Spirit visiting us. Acts 2, 1 through 4, if you're there, say amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 12, all the people that had gathered were amazed and were in doubt, saying, What meaneth this? And others, mocking, said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you and hearken to my words. These men are not drunken as you think, seeing it's but the third hour. But this is that, just mark that in your Bible, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not just the hungry, but the complacent. Not just the earnest, but the apathetic. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And your young men are going to see visions and old men are going to dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they will prophesy. And I'll show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass in that day that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A little over 50 years ago, against the backdrop of a decadent sexual revolution, God visited a little college. And today's sermon is not about Asbury. I'm using it as a point of distinction. He visited a small Methodist college named after a man who logged over 200,000 miles on horseback, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, spending his life of such that he was, in a day before there was media or television or radio, At his funeral at 70 years old, 20,000 people followed on foot behind his coffin because of the impact of this man. Could it be that God, who is a God of order and pattern, is showing us 50 years later against the decadent backdrop of our godless, mindless, 
insane, rebellious society who on a Super Bowl Sunday uh, published some of the most graphic, satanic, uh, and that during that week with the Grammys and such, songs that blaspheme the name of God, the image of God, the likeness of God, the word of God, and starts to rekindle as he did in that, against that backdrop of the 70s. Here we are 50 years later, and he's doing it again. My goal today is not to recreate anything. My goal is to point to and say, if this is that, which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, shouldn't I be a part of that? Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I just thank you today for the opportunity that's mine to preach your word. And I'm, I'm so, I feel so reverent today for you, oh Lord. I don't want to do anything, anything that is uh, manipulative. I, I try to be that way all the time, but nothing. Uh, all, all we desire, Lord, at this stage in our life and right before your return is to be found in you without blemish. We want to, uh, Lord, not be manipulating or maneuvering, but to, to be open and desirous of not just your spirit, but who that is, the person of you, Lord. I thank you for touching my body this week and raising me up. I'm grateful for the prayers of the saints and the quickening of your spirit. And I want to acknowledge you in that. Now, will you anoint me today, Lord, and make my uh, lips like a pen of a ready writer and let me write this story out. Let it stir within us deeply, creating room and capacity for your will, your word, and your way in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. There were 14 recorded revivals in the Old Testament and 10 in the New Testament. Now, not every revival was recorded, but the ones that were recorded we know did happen. And there's eight similar traits. I just want to give you this by way of introduction and then a very simple message this morning on how the Lord visits us, how he visits us individually, collectively, denominationally, geographically, regionally, how he visits us. But these traits were found in all of the uh, 14 recorded revivals in the Bible. They occurred in times of moral darkness and national depression. Each began in the heart of a consecrated servant of the Lord who became the spark for it. They were the recipient of the spark, not the creator of the spark. They were the fuel And anytime you present God fuel, he'll light it. He'll energize it. Each revival rested on the word of God, and most of them were the result of the proclaiming of God's word with power. It either begins with the preaching of the word of God or it's fanned by the word of God. But the word of God, the person of Christ, and his words are preeminent and paramount. All resulted in a return to the true scriptural, genuine, heartfelt worship of God. Anytime God moves, it changes the individual from self-centered to God-centered, from worldly-centered to heaven-centered. 
They, it changes them from spending their life on themselves into one that invests in others. But there is a common trait of the pursuit of and the enjoyment of the person of God. In each one of these revivals, they all witness the confession, repentance, the grieving over and separation from all sin unto God. There is no revival without repentance. Because how can the Holy Spirit be there in power and that Holy Spirit not convict us of sin? That wouldn't make sense. There's a blending up. Now, let me just put this here just for a minute. Be careful of the people. And, and listen, your pastor is one of them. I, I, I want everything to filter through discernment. I want everything to filter through the word of God in my heart. I don't just believe every, every spirit. Be careful of the people that try to limit or categorize the working of God based on immaturity or sleight of hand, like this. Well, there's no, there's no repentance right now, so that can't be revival. Over here, the wind's blowing. Uh, over here, there's repentance, but there's no wind blowing. There's no refreshing. It's just grieving over sin, and someone would say, well, that's not the Holy Spirit because there's no refreshing. And the Bible said that the, the seasons of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. So without which, that can't be it. Be careful of these revival authorities. Because they emphasize based on their bias or experience and limit the Holy One of God. Revival will have repentance. Revival will have seasons of refreshing winds blowing. It will have fire that thoroughly purges the floor of your soul. It'll have all of those things, but you don't get to pick the order. For some of us, it starts off with just a gentle breeze and other, a light shines from heaven and knocks you off your donkey and God grabs you, brings you to account and, and chastises. It's not important for us to be the authority on what's happening in the world based on two or three minutes of video we've seen online. But I will tell you this. Wildfire is not our problem. It's no fire. I'm going to say that again because y'all didn't understand the gravity of what I just told you. Wildfire is not our nation's problem. It's no fire. And so I, I can rein in a living horse, but resuscitating a dead one's another thing. And what God's doing then, if he's doing it today, it will have these traits. Confession, repentance, and the grieving over. Listen, the grieving over, forgive, uh, or even the forgiveness of our sins. You can be forgiven and still have that grieving sense over these things. Is it okay that I just pastor you today? Is this okay? I'm going to do it anyway. So, anyway. In every revival in the Old and New Testament, the people sought out and yielded themselves to the Word of God. There was a turning back to, Thus saith the Lord for my life. No more of this, I know what the Lord says, but... In these revivals, there was a restoration 
of life and soul, individual and collectively. When God visits an individual, life, healing, and joy. When he visits a church, life and joy, restoration, healing, uh, the moving of his spirit creates this joy and gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And each revival was followed by a period of national prosperity. And so it is in the lives of us as individuals. Uh, those in the sound booth, not the air conditioner, but would you just turn the fan on? A fat boy is about to pass out up here under these lights. I'm this one. Not me, but the other guy. Um, I want to talk to you just a, a few moments on how the Lord visits us. And what you see on, online when you hear about these revivals in other places, there are many imitations. There are many false revivals. Oh, for the last 15 or 20 years, you've seen them pop up everywhere. And there's flesh everywhere. And there's, there's, it's all a, a clamoring for the supernatural. Not the divine, but the supernatural. Everything that's of God is supernatural, but not everything that's supernatural is of God. So I want to know how the Holy Spirit visits us. Why he visits us. What is it that draws him to us? And how can we discern the thoughts and not be deceived by it? Number one, how does he visit us? Well, uninvited or invited. Most often it's an interruption. Sometimes it's in response. But the key thing you need to know is he visits you faithfully. You would have more outbreaks of revival in your life if you could hear him knocking at your door. But there's too many things on. There's too many things going on. Our eyes are glued to screens. We're, our calendars are booked from one end to the other. And he's standing at the door knocking. The Lord is, but we can't hear it because we're too busy. If it isn't carnality that kills the, the revival in our hearts, it's the busyness of our lives. And we point at the world and we look at their immorality and their fornication and their, their perverseness. And ours is of a, of a more um, dignified sort. We just don't have time for the Lord. He visits us all. He never visited me. Oh, yes, he does. I tell people, I tried calling you. No, you didn't. Well, no, it's not on, on my line. And you see, you miss calling. You go, oh. God visits us all. The Holy Spirit visits us individually, collectively, and geographically. He visits us simply and unmistakably through his word as a dove. Just like when Noah sent that dove out from the ark looking for a, a clean place to land. Oftentimes, God will send out his spirit to you, but there's no place for it to land because we live defiled or, or immoral lives. He visits us like oil, like fire, like wind. He quickens us. But when the Lord visits you by his Holy Spirit, it's always with great power. Now, I don't mean earthquake power. I mean sufficient power in that interaction to change anything and everything. When the, when the angel told Mary that she, God had, she had found grace with the Lord and God had favored her and she was going to conceive and she said, how can this be? I've never been with a man. And he said, well, 
the Lord's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Those encounters that we have with God. If we had any real idea what all it was he wanted to do. Let me back up. When the Lord wants to or when we desire to grow an oak tree. God doesn't give us an oak tree. He gives us an acorn. And we've missed the greatest things that God wants to do in our life because we did not recognize in that one moment on a Sunday morning during the chorus of that song when the Lord was tapping on us, had we opened our heart in that moment, he would have dropped the acorn of what he had planned for us. We think of power because we've been taught this on television where somebody does this and falls out. No, power isn't falling out. Power is standing up. You hear me? Power is growth and change and healing and glory. It's the entrance of God's spirit into the life of an individual. Now, do I have any problem with someone that's overwhelmed in God's presence? No, but that's not the goal. The goal is to manifest that power in our life for the glory of the Lord. He visits us intentionally and with purpose. God, God doesn't waste visitations. I heard years ago, you know, on the subject of like when I was coming up in the early 80s, everybody fell out, everybody fell out except me in the world. I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I'd been shook and simonized and prayed over and pushed. And I can't tell you how many times in, in the altar, I, I, I'm just telling you my experience, I'd be the only one standing. And I just would... Lord, what's wrong with me? I'd go to the car. I said, what's wrong with me? And I, I heard a preacher say one time, he said, uh, I don't have any problem with you falling out in church. He said, but if we go back to the Bible, first of all, slain in the spirit meant you were dead. Y'all are so quiet this morning. Slain means killed. Okay. And the examples of God putting people out, when they woke up, life was different. Adam went out and he woke up and he goes, whoa, man, you know, the rules changed. The boss showed up. Everything changed after after the going out. When God visits you, it's for great change, great reprioritization, realignment, the introduction of things that we didn't know we needed or that, that we didn't even ask for. When God visits us, he visits us with purpose. And according to our need, tenderly or forcibly, specifically, sufficiently, he visits us in harmony with the Father and the Son. The Godhead is in in agreement with what the Holy Spirit was doing. Just like God the Father and the Holy Spirit watched Christ perform his mediatorial work and were in agreement. The Father and Christ are in heaven today watching what Jason said, the Holy Spirit brooding over our land once again. If I can be 100% honest with you, I am shocked that the church is still here. But I saw what I got to watch and I watched these places start to pop up. I said, this is just like you, Lord. 
to give one more chance for someone to see instead of gathering around the unholy. They're gathering around the one more visitation of mercy to draw the eyes of an unbelieving world. You know, and, and this generation, our young people, are the most anxiety-ridden generation. If we grew up in this generation, we'd have been the same way. And then you see this days and days and days of peace. A joyless generation singing with joy and gladness. A, a, a generation that can't find any contentment. Living in a room, not wanting to leave. It looks like the Lord is visiting with intention and purpose. A sign, a, a, a last day sign of mercy for our nation. And he visits us for our best and his glory. Know this, that when the Holy Spirit takes the time to visit us, it's for our best and his glory. I, as a pastor, I can't help but notice certain things. You know, pastors are guilty of uh, riding waves when something becomes popular and in vogue. You know, we're going to put a coffee house in ours. Everybody got a coffee house. We're going to put the round table on the stage. Everybody has a round table. We're going to uh, have banners. Everybody has banners. None of those things are wrong. I just want you to see that we mimic and imitate and duplicate uh, what we see and try to get in on what we see the Lord doing in other people. And I think it's more immaturity than evil. Do you remember, and don't say you did if you didn't, but weeks ago, probably six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, I said, I say this very reverently, but the Lord's doing something in our church. You remember? Well, he's doing something in a lot of churches. And what thrilled me was not just seeing what they had going on over there, but to know that that same spirit... Even if we are the least worthy candidate on the, on the calendar, he said, I'm not going to forget about Macon. And I just, i like, Lord, uh, I, I didn't have this in my notes, and I, I haven't shared this in, uh, to my knowledge in 15 years. Do y'all remember when uh, different revivals were going on at the same time with Brownsville and other local places. Okay. I, I don't chime in on what all was there. I wasn't there. I, I know what I saw. I know what people told me, but I wasn't there. But when all that was going on, every, it seemed like everybody and their mother went and invited me to go. And I just felt a check about going. I still don't have anything bad to say. I wasn't there. I felt a check about me going. Not that it was wrong to go, me to go. So then they were popping up at different places. You know, Georgia had a couple of them. And I remember, I probably disobeyed. I went to one. And the Lord was not there. There was a lot of commotion. There was a, how can you say the Lord was not there? Because the Lord was not there. That's not arrogance. I'm, I, I know the Lord's voice. I know the Lord's spirit. But I just felt like the Lord had me secluded and just don't travel to those places. Now I want to go ahead and give you full 
disclosure. I'm either wrong or I'm right. I either heard it or I didn't hear it. But I remember telling others that I felt the Lord spoke to me. Not to travel there because the first place that I would see genuine revival would be Christ Chapel. We're 28 years in. We've seen his hand. We've seen his blessing. We've seen his faithfulness. We've seen his provision. Oh, we've seen his mercy. If it were not for his mercy, I'd be consumed. You'd be consumed. He's been good to us. It's not like he hasn't been with us. Do you know what I mean? But revival. Like that lady that hollered out in that foyer. She was blind and couldn't see and said, where's the water coming from? Oh, my goodness. And she lifted her dress up and she said it was hitting her along the thighs. Remember that, Mama Sheila? Right here. Others come in and said, I was driving by this church and I'm not a Christian. And I, I felt the Lord, I felt something say, go into that house. Go into that house. And Lord, if that's you... If that was your promise, would you do that here, Lord? And if it wasn't your promise, would you grant it anyway? So we could stand in this house, and when we invite others, we say, I can promise you this, if you come, you'll meet Jesus. You'll meet His Spirit. When He visits us, it's for our best and His glory Why does he visit us? Why does he visit anyone? Why does he visit any church? To awaken us to our sin, our apathy, our need, our deceptions, to the lateness of the hour, to sober us. The Bible says that the people will be willing in the day of God's power, which means when he visits them, there's a willingness that happens when God's spirit is moving. He visits us not just to bring us out of our sleep and slumber, but to revive us, to bring us back to Christ, back to the basics, back to our vows, back to our purpose. When revival hits an individual's life, and I've seen it happen where there was only a couple of people in the church, but revival was happening in the couple of people while the church was indifferent, and I've seen the church have revival while people were indifferent. But in both settings, Whenever the Lord visits a life, there's a going back to my beginning and looking at what I prayed then, how I prayed then, my vows, my commitment, and aligning things back to my first love. Remembering from whence you've fallen, repenting of the things that are in error, and redoing the first works again. Maybe revival Maybe as God's Spirit is blue over our lives and we can't feel Him, maybe that circumcision of heart that I talked to you about last week, we're calloused because we have unkept vows. I'll go anywhere, Lord. I'll do anything, Lord. And then you get married and have kids and have a mortgage. And, well, Lord, if I do that, I could lose blank. Pastor Charles, I could just pick up, quit my job, and move to town. I don't know nobody. Lord, if I, just, if I just follow you, what vows did you make 
in the early years that you have buried in the latter years of God's goodness in your life. Go back, remember, repent, and redo. He visits us to awaken us, to revive us, and to reprioritize us. Yes, listen, when I, when I think of revival, I think, you know, I see all those kids when I, I watched the other night and they were just singing simple hymns, just one instrument, if any instruments, a cappella, and it was great, refreshing, and that's a beautiful thing. But I'm not 18. My need, yes, I, all of us need to be refreshed, but we have so many things by the time you're our age, we need reprioritization. Clutter comes in. And refreshing is wonderful, but if you leave the church and go home and your car's jacked up, your house is jacked up, your marriage is jacked up, your soul is jacked up, your spiritual life, all those things. I just got to go back to Asbury again. I got to go back to this. You see? When God visits us, he says, all right, get all of this out of the room. What's most important? To love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. Good. Number two. You see? You reprioritize. I'm living temporally minded instead of eternally minded. I got to flip this upside down. I need to cast my treasures on a head where thieves nor moth nor rust can get to it. I need need to start living for tomorrow instead of for today. I need to start living a life of cause instead of comfort. You see, reprioritizing. Why does he visit us? To, to, to awaken us and convict us and reprioritize us and realign us to Christ, the person of Christ. You can't have revival and not be transformed. You know what we want? We want the quick fixes. Now, before you go and say, John said none, of, don't go there. I ain't said that at all. You go where you want to go. But do you know where some Christians, some will chase the pockets because they hope to some. Y'all say some with me. Some Christians, not all. They hope to bypass the cost of personal revival in their own life. If I can go walk in this building and whoo, two hours of thank you, Jesus, and the wind sweeping over me and I hadn't had to deal with my carnality or my prejudice, or my, my selfishness, or my stealing from the Lord, or, or, or I ain't got to deal with all that. Ooh, wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that wonderful? But in my own life, if I will draw near to God, He will draw near to me. So, Pastor, what are you saying? Do both. Walk in that simplicity and that honesty where He breathes on you. And if you hear of Him moving somewhere, go visit and celebrate the work of God. The same work that's already happening in your heart. I, I just, I ain't found a clearance rack yet in, in the kingdom of God. I've looked. Uh, is there any way I can get this? Come, the preacher, come, come in. Let me put my hands on you and give you the double portion. Well, what about the triple portion? Well, that's Thursday. You got to come Thursday for that. And just come quick, quick. It's, I saw a guy one time, had his Bible. And he was quick, quick. And as they run down the aisle, he hit him with the Bible. Bam! Knocked him out. I'm like, 
My first thought was hardback or leather. You know, that's my first thought. That's hardback. You, you know, he ain't got insurance. You're gone for a while. And he, I'm serious. This is how. This is how sad it's gotten. He's hitting them, bam, and they're falling out, falling out. And then about two left, and he goes, it's gone. And sat the Bible down. I was watching the video, and my thought was, is there not a leader in the house anywhere that stands up and calls that preacher? Sit down. Sit down. How dare you act like you're the distributor through the corners of your Bible of the resplendent glory of God. You don't need me. You don't need my Bible. I don't get to dictate or tell you when the taps open. If any man thirst, let him come unto Jesus and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God's purposes. He visits us because his purposes will never be realized without his help. And because we're so weary and we're in need of his touch. We need him for this, this last hour to, to, to remain, to remain faithful, to remain joyful, to remain effective and efficient, to stay in the race, to keep our covenant and our vows, to, to keep watch. We need his visitation. And well, let me get to this and I want to get ahead of myself. What is it that draws him to us? I can't explain this to you. Maybe there was something about Asbury. We know it's 50 years later. He's done this two to three times in certain places. There's one for certain that we know scripturally. And I'm sorry if you've been taught differently than this. It's a horrible doctrine that's not scriptural, that the church absolutely replaced Israel in all of God's dealings. Uh, yes, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Uh, there's no Gentile or, or Jew in Christ. But in the world, there's a little piece of land on the other side of the world where Jesus, God said, I have put my name there forever. Well, I think he knows what forever means. And Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem, and park itself there. So watch Israel, there's, there's, you'll always see the working of the Lord, the moving of the Lord. Soon, the man of sin is going to make his home there. Very soon. But when you have places where God visits, there's something about it. Now, I can't say why Asbury. I know Lee College is being visited again. Thank you, Lord. And, and other great institutions. My guess is, that it's tied back to someone that touched his heart. You know what, when the Bible says that he'll remember the righteousness of a man for a thousand generations, like my boys, 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 you know, down like that. I think it's that way in areas, in churches. There's certain little unknown towns that he just decides where you would say, in memory of. That's just... A possibility. I, I wouldn't preach that as doctrine, but I, I see him doing this. But it's, it's based on the remembrance uh, of the prayers that were prayed in this house, in that grill, in this altar, for the Lord to remember us. And, and I want you to know 
as we're pushing on 30 years. I don't want Christ Chapel to be famous. I want Christ to be known. (laughs) I want Christ to be known in this city. What is it that draws him to us? Our desire for him. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. That's the hungry. Don't answer out loud, but do you hunger after God? Do you hunger after his word, his spirit, his people? Listen to your pastor this morning. You can't love God and not love the church. Period. Oh, I love the Lord. I love him from home. No, no. If his body is here, then you're as close as I can get to him in this world. So I got to make sure that you're loved for, prayed for, taught, encouraged, strengthened, because that's my service to the Lord. He's drawn to our desire for righteousness. Listen to this in Isaiah 57. For thus says the high and lofty one, he who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Yeah, I dwell in the high and holy place, but I also dwell with him that has a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit. Why? So that I can revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent. Which means when we grieve over our spiritual condition and we're poor in spirit, that draws the spirit to us. Draws it to us. All right, very quickly. How can we discern the faults that we see all over? How can we discern the difference between that which is supernatural and that which is divine? The devil's devil's imitation will always cater to the flesh, if you're writing this down. It always caters to the flesh. Ask these questions, how to discern. How, and I'm talking about moves of the Spirit, whether in an individual, a local church, or what we're seeing uh, in our nation today. How, when, and with who did it start? And what are the primary ingredients? Ask that question. How did it start? Well, they were just in chapel and they were praying. Okay, The root determines the fruit. The ingredients. And see, that's the difference between some of y'all that cook and some of you are cooks. I cook stuff. Microwave. Number two. You want lasagna? S-T-O-U-F-F-E-R-S. Throw it in there. Microwave. There you go. It's lasagna. And you sit down and you go, thank, thank, thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. And then grandma makes lasagna. She's been making it since Thursday. And it's soaking in oil and butter, and she cooks it. And I'm using a silly example just to tell you that the ingredients that go into it determines the value of it. And when God visits a church, whether it's 10 people or 10,000, know this, that somewhere there were men and women in the kitchen with lifted hands up to the Lord saying, Oh God, visit us. Oh God, pour out on us. Oh Lord, Make us all together yours. The ingredients are there. Apple trees make apples. Pecan trees make pecans. 
revivals centered around the Lord and his work and his, his spirit birth things of the Lord, his work and his spirit. If it is man-focused, man-centered, man-driven, or for the glory of man, it is not divine. We'll say that again. If it is man-focused, man-centered, man-driven, or for the glory of man, it is not divine. If, there, if it's built around the key guy, I'm going to hit you with my coat, my breath, my commandment. Stand him up. Pick him down. Stand him up. Or we got a team of people. See, you, you need deliverance. Well, we got a deliverance team. Now, get mad with me if you like. I'm just telling you. We all have deliverance ministries. We have authority over the power of the devil. Did you know that? Okay. If you have to have a team to do something, well, can't the Spirit of God in me do that? If it, no, we need you to get to the, you need fire? Oh, you want the fire? We got a fire team over in the corner. So let's get you back behind the drapes so nobody can see all this tomfoolery and foolishness we're going to do. And they actually, many of them, not all of them, many of them evoke demonic powers because they've strayed from the person of Christ. You want an experience? He gives them experience. I've got to have a team. No, no. You don't have to have any, anybody to have revival. There's no key person. He can honor a person or spark a person, but if, if, if it happened here, I could walk off this stage, walk out of this room, and it don't change nothing because God is in the house. You see, any glory, any notoriety. Did any of you happen to catch this? I, I know probably a lot of you didn't, but it was on Tucker Carlson. He approached the school and asked them to, if he could come and do an expose. Did you see this? And they sent him the most respectful correspondence. He said, thank you so much for thinking of us, but no thank you. We're not doing this. Uh, we didn't do this. And we don't need the eyes of people. This is for the Lord. It was the most beautiful. And, and Tucker didn't endorse it spiritually. Here's what he said. He goes, I've seen a lot in this world. He said, but no one turns down free publicity unless they don't want it. And something in my soul, it was like a tuning fork and went, ding. How do you know it's genuine? I don't want to be known in it, by it. I be associated with the glory. It's to the Lord's glory. I just want to be in. There was a, a portion of scripture in the New Testament where at a certain season, an angel would come into a pool and trouble it. And the Bible says that the first person that stepped in was healed of whatsoever disease he had. If our musician would come, please. And, excuse me. Some of your Bibles, they took that out, by the way. It's just, they decided just to take it out of your Bible. They, they, they didn't want it in there. But it said, whoever got in the water first was healed of whatsoever disease they had. And then you've got modern um, scholars that said, well, what it was, was it was like a hot mineral bath. And it's what people would go when they had ailments and there were certain sulfurs and chemicals that would help him. Well, I've never heard of a mineral bath curing a blind man. I've never heard of a mineral bath opening the ears of someone. 
But there was an angel that went down at a certain season and troubled the waters. I wonder if it was the angel. Christ is also known as the angel of the Lord. You're not the Christ, the theophany, a manifestation of the Lord. I, I don't know. So whoever it was, he had the power to trouble the water. Now, imagine this. The water's bubbling up. They don't know why it's bubbling because they can't see in the spirit. But here's this angel troubling. And in that troubling, there was sufficient power to heal anyone with anything. So Jesus comes up to the pool. And they're all waiting around it. And he starts to engage with the man. Do you want to be made well? 38 years I've been at this pool. Do you want to be made whole? Sir, I don't have anybody. You're answering questions I'm not asking. Do you want to be made well? He says, you know, every time the water's troubled, someone comes in and gets it before me. Here's what I want to tell you about revival. If you are close enough to see it happening to someone else, you're close enough to take part in it. If the Lord is troubling the land, if he's troubling little colleges, can I get in, Lord? Before Christ, one got in the pool. Christ was showing this guy he was the Lord of the pool. He took the pool with him. Is God moving at Asbury, Pastor John? I believe so. But that pool isn't my pool. I may go. I may not go. But Christ carries the pool with him. And we that desire that from him can experience his presence. We just, there's the calling out part. If it emphasizes the miraculous, look, look at what God's doing. Look at what God's doing. And see, they emphasize the doing. But if it's genuine revival, you look at the God that's doing. Revival, please listen to this, is not the increasing of miracles, but the decreasing of our flesh. Will you see miracles? Absolutely. But that's not a definition of revival because Pharaoh's magicians can do miracles. It's the decreasing of our flesh. Here's what revival looks like. Not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. If it produces chaos, disorder, lack of self-control, or contradicts the Scripture in any way, it's not revival. If it sustained by our glories in the flesh of man, God has no part in it today. I looked up online about rain because sometimes God hides some of his truths, you know, first the natural and then the spiritual we make understanding. And I just, you know, typed out, when does it rain? It says when the sky is so saturated that it can't hold back anymore. In essence, when it's so full of water, it just 100% humidity and then it falls. What if God has been preparing the rains for you and for us and for this house.
I think you get to places like this where I, I'm not sure what to say. I don't, you just, Lord, unless you build the house, we that labor, labor in vain. And we're in you, we're of you, but we can't move your spirit. But oh, don't we want it? Oh, don't we ask for it? The question today for us as believers is not whether what is happening in Asbury genuine. But the question is, is something genuine happening in you? The question is, not is that which is happening of God, but is something of God happening in you? There was a hymn we used to sing, and I closed with this, and I'm, I'm going to ask in just a moment, Philip, to play this song. It said, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, please don't pass me by. I heard it sung one time, While on others thou art falling. I don't know which one was right, but that's the one I sing. I sang it yesterday as I looked online. You know, thinking, Lord, I, I don't want to see it online. I want to see it in mine. I want to, I want to. Jesus, if you're fallen, would you consider us? We don't deserve it. We don't merit it. But I don't know that anybody does. If this is your heart individually, you know, I committed today to the Lord. You know, you see all this stuff. I, I'm, not want, I'm not looking for a manifestation. I'm looking for an infilling today to where we go home and our soul starts to get saturated and the rains start and we see a genuine move of revival. I'd rather, let's not believe for the nation. Let's believe for us first. Get the oxygen mask on yourself first. Make sure you're squared away before we help the other people. If that's your desire this morning, as this song's played, I'm going to invite you to make a stand. All of heaven watches. As a matter of fact, I hope we all could and just come stand around this front and pray this. Could I ask that of you, if that's in your heart? Philip, would you cue that song for me? Philip, pass me not, ocean to save your hair, my humble cry. Thank you, Lord. Pass us, Lord. Do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on all 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we just stand in His presence just a moment before we go home? Can we do that? Lord, it's your church. This this is your church, oh Lord. And if what we see happening in other places, if that storm front could move its way down this way, oh Lord. Let the wind of heaven blow on us. Blow out this stale air and blow in the new. Lord, we open the windows of our soul to you, O Lord. I fear you too much to manufacture a false move of your spirit. But I long for the genuine, O Lord. Because it's not by might. And it's not by power or effort or manipulation or maneuvering. But by your spirit, Lord. We believe. We believe that in the last days, and we are there, the last moments, that you're going to pour out your spirit, O oh Lord, on all flesh. Would you pour it on my babies, O oh Lord? Our babies, our children, our church, young and old. Create a culture in this place, Lord, where nothing less than Christ will do. Nothing less than the genuine deal. Church family, would you look this way before we go home today? If, let's just say the Lord visits us in a a miraculous, powerful, Let me tell you what I think it's going to look like. (laughs) Nothing we've seen before. Because can I be just frank with you? We're just a mutt. We're just, mutts make the best dogs. But if your pastor's any indicate, you're not, we're just just a mutt, just a mutt. But it'll be so real that you'll hear people say, not of us, but I've been looking for this my whole life, my whole life where people walk in the door and are healed. No hype, no fanfare. People filled with the Spirit, where demons cry out in one voice in one moment and then are cast out in the next, and there's no big deal. Just, we're just greeting people. Y'all go ahead. That's nothing. That's how the Lord is. It'll be just so natural and beautiful and organic. And, and if on our way out to the rapture, if He would visit us one time like that, Count me in. <laughs> Count me in fully. Well, what is it going to look I don't know, but I'd be excited to find out. Amen? Pastor Charles, you're young enough. Jump up here and close us. He can, just, he can do it still. I got to have a rail. Bless us. And take a minute if you need. Just. The simplicity of the gospel. Father, today we are thankful, God, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, when I look at my own life and where you've brought me from and where I am now, where you're taking me to, God, I am so unworthy. 
God, I know that's each and every one of us who have truly experienced you in a life-changing way. You took something that was broken, wounded, hurting, confused, needing assembly, and you put it back together again. God, when we look across our nation and we see the brokenness and how far we are from you, God, you spark a fire in Kentucky. You spark a fire in Tennessee. In other parts of our nation and even around our world, Pastor talked about your grace being in that, your mercy being in that. And Father, today as we have assembled here to close out this service, Father, may the power of your Holy Spirit, God, permeate every heart. Father, may you set us on fire. May you bring to life within us, God, the thing that has died. May you bring it back to life again. Those dreams, those passions, those desires, God. Father, we all had a desire once before, God, to be close to you, to know you in a more intimate way. And God, today, Father, I pray today that that will happen again at Christ Chapel. God, I pray today that there would be an outpouring of your spirit. Lord God, it does not mean to say what is revival and what's not revival, but God, I long that you move within me like you're moving over there, oh God. And I position myself today, God, before you, Lord, knowing that only you can do that. Only you, God, can take what is dead and bring back to life, God. I pray today that you would speak to the dead things in our lives, God, and bring it to life. In those things that should die, I pray, Father God, that you would speak it and they will die in Jesus' name. Father, you see our lost loved ones. God, it's not about us. Father, when revival takes place, it is for every single person that we come in contact with. We are a little fire, Lord God, that's going to start a big fire. May the little fire inside of us, God, turn into something bigger than we've ever seen or known in Jesus' name. Father, you see our lost loved ones. God, you see our family. You see our friends. You see our co-workers, God. I pray today, God, that you will do what you did in the life of Jeremiah at the most down part in his life where he said, it is like fire shut up in my bones. When I wanted to be quiet, I couldn't. I pray for a fire over your people like that, a hunger for you, God, a, 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 a thing that will happen inside of us where we can't close our mouth, where we can't keep it bottled up. Lord God, I am reminded that true revival is a changed life. And when God has done something so big and so dramatic in your life, you cannot keep it quiet. God, do that at Christ Chapel. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. Amen.
Our elders will be down at the front praying for those that need ministry, uh, if you need healing in your body. Uh, one final thing, we had four Bibles left. Uh, we'd purchased 50 apologetic study Bibles and got them for $25 each. So there are four left. Uh, we're not making nothing on them. We just want them available to you. I don't know what's coming, but I, I, I'm ready. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.